The following is brought to you by Will Harris, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Hello and welcome everybody to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. Your old pal Justin Robert Young joining you here back home, safe and sound, in Austin, Texas after a weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, But boy, if every once in a while, down there on the blackjack table... I saw a hand I could split. And then every once in a while on one of those hands, I could double down. And then the other hand seemed like it was something that it could double down to. And I got a lot riding on it. I'm hoping that the dealer provides and the cosmic dealer of political news has given us a bonanza. We've got a hell of a show for you. Gossip on Kamala and Biden's relationship. We have a bombshell, bombshell uh, filing by the ex-wife of Eric Greitens uh, that may or may not knock him out of that Missouri GOP primary a reminder that he was already chased out of his governorship of the show me state because of a similar issue. We'll get into that in a second. We've got a wild, wild Senate primary in (laughs) the Republican party of Ohio, wherein the two leading candidates almost got into a bit of a tussle during a forum over the weekend And one of them called the other the P word. So please be aware we are going to be playing and saying the P word on the program today. I'm not trying to be coarse. I'm trying to accurately cover our political world. Speaking of Las Vegas, uh, we have the end of our trilogy of interviews with Matt Donnelly. We have long tracked Las Vegas as a bellwether for how the United States handles lockdown procedures for a few reasons. Vegas is a tremendous confluence of money and reputation. Because if Vegas is known as the place where you get sick, then all of a sudden the entire industry there dies overnight. It's the reason why they shut everything down at the beginning of the lockdown as harshly as they did. And they have brought it back in fits and starts. But while I was there over the weekend, boy, did I notice that things were pretty much back to normal. So we're bringing Matt on. We're going to talk about what's changed, how it's changed, where it's changed, and whether or not anything is now permanently Different in Sin City. And finally, speaking of Nevada, 
hardcore fans of the show that go back years and years will remember that we covered something that at that point was fairly uh, uh, under the radar. A woman did a podcast calling herself Love Jones, claiming that she had a 10-year extramarital relationship with a current sitting congressman. That affair was eventually outed in when she actually named that indeed it was Stephen Horsford, who is indeed still a representative in the House uh, of Representatives. Well, Horsford's running again, and there is one person who is none too pleased, so much so that she has taken to Twitter. So she might register her disappointment. Is it the mistress? Nay. It's Horsford's wife. Before we even get started, though, we've got some great who farted and where stories from within the Biden administration. Finally. Oh, good Lord. I forgot how much I actually used to like who farted and where stories because they didn't come out all that often. Every once in a while, somebody would write a book and all the petty megrims that normally build up during the course of governing would all be released all at once. And you'd read them and they're fun and you get a sense of the personalities. It wasn't this constant drip, 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 drip from the highest echelons of our political coverage like the New York Times and the Washington Post. The book we're going to be reading quotes from is This Will Not Pass, Trump, Biden, and the Battle for America's Future that was excerpt by Politico Playbook. Apparently, uh, there is a riff between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, something that it's not a tremendous surprise or secret considering we have had reporting around this for a while now. But people within Biden's orbit have wondered exactly how much of a priority Kamala Harris's need to change over her staff is. She's done this now a few times. I would expect that it will only happen further from here. But here's a direct quote. In private. They've taken to noting that the vice presidency was not the first time in Harris's political career that she'd fallen short of sky-high expectations. Her Senate office had been messy. Her presidential campaign had been a fiasco. Perhaps, she suggested, the problem was not the vice president's staff. There's also new details on Jill Biden's discontent with Harris. Quote, Speaking in confidence with a close advisor to her husband's campaign, the future first lady posed the pointed question, there are millions of people in the United States. Why do we have to choose the one who attacked Joe? And finally, Kamala had some discontent with her scope, you know, what she had to uh, uh, wrap her, her, Wrap her mitts around to show that she was also a competent leader. She told White House aides, quote, in frank terms that she did not want to be restricted to a few subjects, mainly associated with women and black Americans. She was, however, upset that she did not get to be more front and center with the voting rights uh, push, although that was such a disaster. I think probably being far away from it was better 
for her. So there we go. A new who far didn't wear book. This will not pass. Trump, Biden and the battle for America's future coming soon. But first. Oh, baby, it's the midterms. The midterms are here. I'm so excited to be talking about campaigns. And we begin today with a blockbuster. And look, basic warning here. Politics is ugly. It involves often extraordinarily flawed to not great people. The things that greatly affect these binary contests often include very, very, very real world things. So please understand that as we are talking about the details of very, very, very difficult subject matter, this still does play in to the one rubric we care about on this show on a predetermined day, how many people are going to go push your button instead of the other guys. That being said, let's get into it. A man for whom we have covered a lot on this program, Eric Greitens, the former governor of Missouri, somebody that rocketed to statewide fame very quickly. An outsider pissed off his own party when he took the governor's mansion, fell to earth like Icarus in a pool of wax when it was alleged that he had an extramarital affair with a hairdresser and that he had engaged in what he claimed was consensual rough sexual activity, what she said was unwanted with the added cherry on top that he had taken a semi-nude photo of her that he was using as blackmail if she ever went public. More on that in a second. Because the new news is that Greitens' now ex-wife, the woman for whom was by his side when that scandal happened, has now filed for custody of their children. And in that filing, she has some very, very specific and pointed allegations about her ex-husband's behavior. Quote, Prior to our divorce, during an argument in late April 2018, Eric knocked me down and confiscated my cell phone, wallet, and keys so that I was unable to call for help or extricate myself and our children from our home. Further, I became afraid for my safety and that our children uh, and that of our children at our home, adding that the behavior, quote, induced physical violence toward our children, such as cuffing our then three-year-old son across the face at the dinner table in front of me and yanking him by his hair. In 2019, one of her sons came home from a visit with his dad, quote, with a swollen face, bleeding gums and loose teeth, she writes. She continues, he said dad had hit him. However, Eric said they were roughhousing and it had been an accident adding that the tooth from the child had to be removed. If you think that's where it stops being awful, you'd be wrong. She continues, Greitens purchased a gun but refused to tell her where it was. 
He also threatened to kill himself, quote, unless I was provided specific public political support. One can surmise from the time frame here that this is while his world is falling apart after he uh, leaves the governorship of Missouri. The former Mrs. Greitens, uh, well, she is still Mrs. Greitens. Sheena Greitens is her name. Uh, she's actually now a professor here in, in Austin, Texas. Uh, but she she continues to write that on three separate occasions in February, April and May 2018, quote, multiple people other than myself were worried enough to intervene to limit Eric's access to firearms. I started sleeping in my children's room simply to try to keep them safe. She goes on at one point, Greitens made a reference to the fact that he had children and she didn't while trying to persuade Sheena to delete emails that she had sent to a family therapist seeking help. Quote, Eric threatened to accuse me of child abuse if I did not delete the emails and convince my therapist to delete them. She also said that during uh, during the same phone call, Greitens berated her as, quote, hateful, disgusting, nasty, vicious, lying bitch while accusing her of providing information about him to prosecutors and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. A few weeks later, Greitens grew angry and confronted her when she tried to fly with the children to her parents' house, saying, quote, He threatened to come to the airport and have me arrested for kidnapping and child abuse, saying that because of his authority as a former governor who had supported law enforcement, the police would support him and not believe me. Now, we're going to get into some of the political ramifications of what this means, because this is a political podcast. However, I will state now for the record that the pattern of behavior that is described in this affidavit is remarkably similar, at least to my eyes and ears, as what happened with the hairdresser. It was a extramarital affair until she wanted to call it off. He felt paranoid about the power that she had over him. He took extraordinary measures up to and including taking a blackmail photo to control her. All of this that is said is not only obviously disqualifying an abusive behavior, but also again, consistent with what we have heard in the past. Now let's get in to the nitty gritty of the politics of it all. Eric Reitens is by far the best polling Republican in this race. Obviously, as a former governor, his name recognition is unparalleled. He certainly still has the outsider maverick brand that he had before he got drummed out and now is something that as he claimed he was fully exonerated from the campaign finance allegations that he said drove him out of office, that would only be reinforced. In the most recent polling by the Trafalgar Group, Greitens is either tied uh, or up against the likely Democratic challengers for this Senate seat, and he has polled ahead of all of his primary candidates. Now, when I say that this reminds me of what happened with a hairdresser, let me remind you exactly what that means. 
The hairdresser testified that Greitens was physically aggressive during an unwanted sexual encounter and threatened to distribute a partially nude photo of her if she ever spoke of it. The woman testified that during a March 2015 encounter in Greitens basement, he asked her if she would tell anybody about their interaction. When she didn't answer, he spanked her. During a June visit to his house, she says Greitens slapped her in the face and she told him that uh, after she told him that she'd had sex with her then husband, she said she felt, quote, like he was trying to claim her, end quote. She also described another incident to the committee during which she said that he smacked her, grabbed her and shoved her to the ground, to which she instantly started bawling. So. This is intensely objectionable behavior. Let's let that sit for a second before we talk about anything else. Okay. Crichton's is the leader of this race. This is the worst possible thing that could come out about him. Obviously, everybody else in the race has told him to leave. Josh Howley who will be the senior senator from Missouri as soon as this election happens, who, by the way, was the attorney general that led the investigation against then-Governor Greitens, so they do not like each other at all, has, unsurprisingly, told Greitens to leave the race, although I don't believe he supported him being in the race to begin with. Now, here's the big issue. Number one, again, Greitens is polling ahead of, ahead of anybody. We'll see whether or not these allegations change that going forward. The big issue in this race, like so many issues across uh, Republican politics, is who will Donald Trump endorse? Well, Greitens seemed like the leader in the clubhouse, at least according to Trump whisperers before this. But you have to wonder whether or not Big Chungus will indeed give him his blessing now for this specific reason. Regardless of whether or not he believes the allegations, he has been very, very recently burned on this exact same stovetop within the last few months. Sean Parnell was Donald Trump's uh, earned Donald, Donald Trump's endorsement for the GOP nomination for Senate in Pennsylvania that was totally derailed by a messy family court situation wherein domestic violence allegations were arisen. Does Trump want to roll those dice again with Greitens or does he endorse literally anyone else and put Greitens campaign to bed because he because Greitens cannot be the outsider guy if Trump doesn't believe that he's fit. If, 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 if Trump is backing somebody else, I believe Greitens campaign is dead. I mean, if not, uh, uh, otherwise, you know, he would have to run as a anti-Trump outsider or, you know, uh, just sort of a, a keep on keeping on. But still, these allegations are going to reverberate you know, the the last time that he dropped out, it was because there was a formal investigation. Obviously, this is going to work its way through whatever family court 
uh, you know, mediates these kinds of, of issues. But aside from that, there is not going to be a, you know, uh, uh, investigation that, that will like drip, drip, drip slowly, you know, lead to some kind of conclusion. Greitens would have to drop out because either his brand is so tarnished, he cannot move forward. He sees it in the polling. He sees it in his fundraising or he's just going to stick it out. And he's just going to say that this woman is another person who is lying and she's a jilted ex-wife and she is trying to sabotage his campaign. But these allegations to my eyes and ears are worse than the hairdresser. It involves hitting a child. And while, you know, you can... And and we're going to get into gross territory. Everybody, uh, please keep your barf bags next to you because we're getting into real politic here. So check your morality at the door. But if you are talking about a domestic dispute between adults, then people have a lot more wiggle room in their head because they have been in heated fights with other adults. There are scenarios in their heads in which they can justify, oh, well, that might have been like this one time. I can see where it could be looked at in different ways, blah, 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 blah. You don't really have that with hitting a child. Hitting a child is not a situation where you can blame the victim. So we will see. But I would not be shocked if this is curtains for Greitens. Wild moment in the Ohio Republican Senate primary. All right, let, let, let's reset here. Our front runners are Josh Mandel and Mike Gibbons. Mandel is a former Marine. If you ever forget that fact, just wait a few minutes. He'll get around to reminding you. Gibbons is a businessman running as an outsider. Well, it's the Republican Party, so everybody's an outsider. Even if you were an insider, you're now the resistance to the resistance, whatever. We're going to set this stage visually here for you. This is a Senate candidate forum featuring both Mandel and Gibbons alongside seated Jane Timken, J.D. Vance, and Matt Dolan. So right before this clip, Mandel cited the sale of Gibbons' uh, uh owned company that he sold to a Chinese entity as proof that Gibbons shipped Ohio jobs to China. He also says Gibbons owned stock in Chinese Petro. So at this point, Mandel has sat down. Gibbons is now talking and you in your head can pick the point in which Mandel stands up and Things get nose to nose. Millions off of Chinese Petro. Uh, first of all, Shanghai Shenda and buying, Chinese Petro. Buying a second. Right, you may not understand this because you've I never been in the private. No, you don't. I do. You've never been in the I private sector it. in your life. Right, I've worked, sir. Josh, squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't, don't tell me I haven't worked. Don't tell me I haven't worked. You, you don't know squat. It's okay, right? You don't know squat. Two tours in Iraq. Don't tell me I haven't worked. You back off. Oh my God! Never that'll happen. Sit down. 
Never. Watch. Yeah. Watch. We'll square it away you're with the wrong dude. No, no, you're dealing with the wrong guy. You watch what happened. You watch what happened. All right, guys. As you might imagine, Mandel is now confronting Gibbons, who I'm going to guess is about 75 pounds heavier than the Marine. The two do the the really close talking thing that two dudes who are going to pretend that they're going to fight that have been eyeing each other since halftime of the one o'clock games of the Buffalo Wild Wings do. And just like a confrontation at a bar, it ends with one of them calling the other a pussy and being separated. You watch what happened. However, unlike those situations, one of these two is statistically likely to become one of the 50 senators representing the highest and most honored legislative body in America. So just like the Greitens situation, let's discuss the Trump of it all. Chungus has not endorsed anybody in this race. So the question becomes, will stuff like this entice him to back one of them? Will he back the man who used the P word? Or the one who escalated the fight? Or maybe this kind of nonsense, even for Trump, is disqualifying. I mean, not likely, but it's possible. I am booking flights this week. We are in prime time trying to find some campaigns to cover over the next month and a half when the primaries are upon us. Yeah. Most of them are in uh, uh, May. So we will be for sure in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. We will see if we can squeeze anything else in around that. So expect some on the road shows coming up. And the only reason why they happen is because... You guys support us. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Head over there right now, especially when I'm on the road, man. Those on the road episodes tend to be rich with a lot of stuff that doesn't get played in the podcast or things that are happening just the, the you know, on, on one of the days that we don't, uh, we don't publish. So if I go out there and, and I'm covering stuff on a Sunday, not only are we going to do the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show, but I'm going to, Run those clips when they are fresh, because even if I wind up reusing them on the free show, which I rarely do because news is is moving so fast at that point, you guys deserve it. You guys are sending me out there. Uh, Anybody who is a patron will get the white club service because it would not happen if not for you guys. Take politics seriously dot com three dollar tier get you two bonus episodes each and every month just take that rss feed right from patreon enter it into the podcatcher of your choice one last thing that i want to remind everybody uh, our second season of world's greatest con the dog and pony show audio production uh hosted by brian brushwood co-created by me it is entering into the finale of our first season uh, we're still going to have some some fun treats for you after the season is over. So now's the time that if you wanted to binge, I know a lot of people are bingers. You don't want to go week to week. You want to get everything all at the same time. So this is the time to binge. Go ahead and binge the first four episodes. The fifth episode is coming out this Sunday. It is all about the only 
perfect bid in the showcase showdown of Prices Right. I co-written, uh, co-wrote, and co-edited this one. It is, it is pretty rad. It's great. We have a lot of archive from the first-person perspective of everybody involved in this. It, it's so crazy because there's stuff that we covered this season that, you know, we covered the 1950s quiz show scandals and that fundamentally changed television. It fundamentally changed how advertising worked. And it's for some reason, weirdly not as investigatively covered by first person sources like this perfect bid on prices, right? Is so go ahead. World's greatest con, wherever you get podcasts, sign up, binge everything, and then Sunday, the fifth and final episode of uh, uh, this season debuts. We got a Q&A episode after that. And then some more fun stuff uh, uh, to follow. But now for the, for the for the stuff that really matters. Go get it. Uh, World's Greatest Con. Everywhere you get podcasts. Our guest today is an actor, performer, a writer, a podcaster. He currently tours with his hillbill persona uh, in, in the magic world, recently played the Magic Castle. He is, of course, one third of the Ice Cream Social podcast, but he is somebody that is plugged into the world of Vegas entertainment. And so for the last Two years now, we have periodically gone back to check up on one of the most fascinating COVID lockdown cases in America, the glittering desert city of Las Vegas through the eyes of our guest today, Matt Donnelly. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. This, I believe... You know, he said confidently, uh, uh, "We'll be the last of our of our our our, our Vegas pandemic series." The trilogy is complete. I feel like this is. I mean, I, I just got back from Vegas. We were hanging yeah. out. Now we're both in different cities, which is when I figured this would be the best time to do an interview when we are when we're <laughs> not together. Yeah, but. I feel like we are at the end of an arc. Well, this is the end of my trilogy. The, the, the lockdown. No matter what. Yeah. Because like Tom Holland, it's going to take a lot of money for me to come back a fourth time. Okay? <laughs> so. Well, like Tom Holland, who wound up getting the money and will probably come back for a fourth time. Then maybe <laughs> if, if indeed the money in this case will be a uh, 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 pandemic induced hardships. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, so are here, let, let's start here. Yeah. What is the state of pandemic Vegas as we speak on, on Tuesday, March 22nd, uh, open one, at least, at least cosplaying as the before times, you know, yeah. uh, really just, uh, you still see a few people in masks, uh, which is funny because then no one judges anyone for wearing no one snobs anyone or yells at anyone for still wearing a mask when they're in the minority. <laughs> so like, yes. So there are people still wearing masks. Probably, probably the least amount of grief people have ever gotten for wearing masks is happening right now. 
Uh, well, yeah, and also Vegas has always had a minority of people wearing masks because you have so many yeah. uh, uh, Asian tourists that come in and they wear masks all the time for reasons, uh, uh, you know, separate from a a, a pandemic, yeah. you know, just for for different, uh, uh, you know, like you know, personal health reasons. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, conventions are now finally starting to come back and and a few started early. And then only had like, you know, like 10% attendance compared to previous, you know, uh, conventions, yeah. things like that. And so now you're seeing uh, conventions come back with full attendance, you know. Um, anecdotally, no one's calling me to, to find out the safety measures in advance before they come to Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and finally show attendances back up to pre-pandemic levels. So people are buying tickets to shows and attending shows. At a, at, a, at a big rate. And that's still with the waiting for other countries to lift their travel uh, restrictions. You know, there's still other places that don't want people flying to America uh, that we're still waiting, you know, to, to, for them to adjust what they do. Um, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's crazy. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's back to being the hospitality town that it once was. Now let's go all the way back to that first that first podcast, <laughs> uh, uh, because I remember, you know, and this was with the three of, of the ice cream social guys. So you and your two co-hosts, Paul and Jacob, yeah. uh, all of you guys right before the pandemic, uh, were, were working in, in some capacity in, in the Vegas show. Scene. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, since then, Paul, who was working at a Vegas show, now no longer lives in Vegas. He has he has moved he has moved elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, Jacob's still working there, but going all the way back, the conversations we were having seemed to think that this process would, in some way, change Vegas, if not permanently, then semi permanently, as we were adjusting to the idea that the the gigantic masses of crowds that Vegas is designed on from the, the, the craps table to the theaters yeah. uh, is something that would now be a detriment to a town that is supposed to make you feel fun and exciting. So you will spill money all over the yeah. place. Has Vegas in any way, either semi-permanently or permanently been changed? No, I was wrong. Dead wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, unfortunately the only thing I could actually point to is like, the increase in computer-hosted tables has increased. So, yes, there's a little okay. more distance at a computerized craps table, and there's a little more distance at a computerized blackjack table. Um, that's You know what, though? So we were, we, were, we were in the Orleans, and they've got a huge thing. It's a, it's, it's a big double screen and, and a bunch of almost like uh, in the same way that, that sports books uh, uh, for anybody who's been to Vegas will have the little like cubicles that that uh, uh, crusty old horse racing guys yes. will sit at and watch a little tiny television. They had maybe a three or four row, five seats across, like gigantic thing for both craps and blackjack. Nobody was there. Yeah, like, like the, it is. It is there, but for whatever reason, if people are gonna go and they're gonna gamble, they want to sit at a table with other people and a dealer. It, it is. It is fascinating. Yeah, I think people just. I mean, I think we just have so much. Even if you've never gambled, you have an image in your head from movies and television and other things of 
what it is like to go to Vegas specifically and gamble in Vegas. And I think you want that time machine feel. I think you want you want to hear chips. And, you know, uh, it's funny, even the other day, someone talked about how they never played slots ever since they went from letting actual coins come into a bucket to yeah. putting up a little slip of paper with money on it. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot all about the that slot machines used to just rain. Yeah. And it's 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 but, you know, those little differences, I think, are all what we're pointing out are all inevitable. And on the one hand, some people don't want to sit down at the big computer thing. And on the other hand, when young people have had a few drinks, uh, sitting down on a computer makes it much less self-conscious to try to gamble for the first time. So you oftentimes you see it late night. Yeah. Young people pile up around the, the computer run machines um, for whatever purposes or whatever. But in terms of what we were dreaming of, where we would walk into some kind of like, uh, you know, ET like <laughs> plastic tunnel to all this unused yeah. convention space where you could have like a time appointed picnic appointment where you would never share air with someone and you could yep. move Penn and Teller over to a convention space where they could do all their stuff completely uh, socially distant. Where no one would nothing, nothing like that ever happened. I was a, um, a part of one show where early in the pandemic, where we went to a giant yard, like an outdoor yard, where your ticket was your valet parking space, and there's a table in front of your parking parking space, and okay. uh, circus events happened around you and in front of you, but you were outside while people brought you catered dinner and that kind of thing, and that ran for maybe a couple months, you know, um, yeah. Uh, it, and so, you know, nothing ever really significantly changed. I think, you know, unfortunately what happens is what happened in entertainment in Las Vegas is what happened in the country, which is small shows closed forever. Uh, big shows that yeah. could find a way to keep afloat came back. I think probably one of the most fascinating side effects is just simply two years of not closing and reopening different shows. So basically like the old, yeah, all the big shows from the closed down, came back. There aren't a lot of new shows, uh, new headliners um, coming back. If anything, um, the, the big sea change that happened was the football stadium here in Vegas. Yeah. Um, and so Billy Joel, Metallica, Rolling Stones um, all sold out one night. BTS is coming and they sold out four nights. <laughs> so Jesus. <laughs> just to let you know generationally where I am, where I can't name a BTS song. And they outsold the Rolling Stones by by four hundred percent by by a factor of four. Yeah, which I mean, I guess really just speaks to the yeah. fact that when you put a football stadium next to that much hotel space, yeah. you can you can sell a lot of uh, a lot of tickets if you're the hottest act in the world. And so, yeah, but the thing is, so the biggest headliner thing is changing. And so now, I think if you're signing a Broadway show or whatever, it wouldn't even it wouldn't even uh, be a blip on the radar. Now it's just like the the biggest acts in the world now have to come to Las Vegas and who's getting them to come. Uh, even if it's just for one show, that's where that, it's that at. Is, that is fascinating because in my mind, Vegas has never, it, it's always been the residency. Yes. It's always been the idea that, all right. And, and, and the calculus has kind of changed, you know, it's, it's fluctuated from, you know, the sixties and seventies, maybe, you were closer to the peak of your career. And then like the seventies and eighties, it drifted more toward like, all right, at the end of your career, yeah. you, you, you run a Vegas residency. It's gotten increasingly hipper uh, uh, over the past, you know, 10 to 15, but now you're right. 
if you are running a world tour, yeah. if you're running uh, something like that, now that there's a football stadium, a brand new, gorgeous football stadium, yeah, then why not? You you you, you got to come and run Vegas, and it's and it's fascinating because like you know uh, Joel Joel Fishman, a uh, famous Vegas entertainment figure, just recently passed away. He's one who brought Penn and Teller and, and Carrot Top and people like that to the strip, and they said we we're not a Vegas act. We shouldn't come here. And he, and yeah. he was forward thinking and who he wanted here. And then with the, which gave way to the Broadway musical residency phase. And all that was because he famously said, you know, you can't change the size of the crap table. It's literally regulated by the gaming commission. You can't change the payouts. Yeah. The only thing you can change is the faces you put on the billboards. And so uh, it's just fascinating to track what that billboard space means. So whether it used to be a, now a headliner, then it was a celebrity chef. Actually, in between, it was a DJ. Right. And so if a DJ was playing the yep. club, yep. now I can't think of a DJ signing that would make, you know, uh, uh, big news that they're coming to that club uh, as a resident. You know, it's 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 amazing yeah. how much entertainment really constantly shuffles. But the statistics are out and that everybody who many of the people who came to these concerts at the Raider Stadium came from out of town. And that was the yeah. that was the driving force to why they came to town. Uh, so between the Raider games, Vegas Golden Knights games, uh, with 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 the teams coming from other cities, those cities people come to our town. Um, this this stadium and 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 they're also building two more stadiums. Uh, is the new phase of Vegas? That is like the the craziest thing about it is that of you know Vegas is going to be like the the the, the big thorn in like libertarian sides whenever there's the like <clears throat> like building a stadium yeah. with like city money is always the worst thing that's ever happened and it never makes money the, the outlier will always be vegas because oh. it's literally built for yes. it oh, like, totally. like it, it is it is it is there so you can put a stadium and just the bigger acts the more people will fly in from out of town the more you're going to use hotel rooms that are just in in such tremendous abundance. Yeah, and Vegas, and the thing in Vegas sports completely saves uh, hotel occupancy for the lack of uh, lack of conventions during during the pandemic. So it, it's you know yeah it'll always be the shining example of uh, it was a good idea to get these things here. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's let let's talk quickly about the the convention side of it because that's something that I think is obviously it's not as glittery and exciting as shows or gambling or or anything like that, but it is very much the lifeblood of uh, uh, Vegas in terms of getting people in and out of the city uh, uh, and and being count onable revenue for for all these casinos. Yes. Those just recently started coming yeah. back, right? Like this, this is something that is, I mean, I, I remember I was going to go out with my buddy Darren to DEF CON. Uh, and then that was right around the time that Delta started spiking yes. and a bunch of vendors pulled out. He pulled his booth and uh, that was, that was that for, for that idea. Uh, so, and that was not too long ago. That was, that was fall of of last year now it sounds like as we move into convention season through the summer uh uh that that it's going to be full tilt boogie yeah and you're right like it is recently it's like definitely like march is is definitely where it's been like okay it's it's back to go time um uh but that's always where 
I never lost faith in that. I lost faith in entertainment, but never lost faith in conventions would come back here. Um, some people were, you know, saying like, you know, once they figure out you can do these things virtually, why are you going to spend all the money to do it in Vegas? And I laughed because I was like, you know, it was always cheaper to go anywhere else, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, we're, we're an expensive place to throw a conference. You know, uh, the thing is that in terms of being paid by your business to come out to Las Vegas, it's a, yeah, please. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> not the worst. It, it is, it is not the worst place to have an expense card. You know, like, like if, if, if you are there on business and everything is going on the company card, there are plenty of restaurants that you'd like to eat at. There's plenty of things that you could do. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why even I was, I was not surprised. I'm not surprised about the comeback now. I was surprised at how many people were attempting it sooner. You know, how many conventions yeah. were trying to go in, in December, January, uh, and February. Um, because now you can see it coming back, but people really wanted it back then, you know. Um, in fact, my and that was as 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 Omicron was uh, peaking and and waning. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and man, the uh, the the difference in contagiousness from from uh, Delta and Omicron. Boy, did it run through Vegas hard. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and that's and that's the thing that that really uh i i, I want to talk to you more about is that it felt like delta was something where all right we got to take this seriously it is it is another slow march kind of thing but omicron is made to shut vegas down yeah because everybody gets sick immediately then, you would think that that would trigger it and for whatever reason vegas was like wait it doesn't kill as many people <laughs> Whatever it was, Fine. it was the first sign of that's the Vegas. Las Vegas is always the social conscience of American spending, right? And so yes. that was the strange thing is that Omicron did affect Vegas, but not like Delta at all. Yeah, uh, and uh, and so you did see visitation dip a little bit, but not like it did. And so um, and then shows didn't want to close. So before you close shows down because of the numbers or because of the ICU beds and things like that. Um, but basically, once the, once the statistics came out from Vegas where, yes, the amount of people going to the hospital have Omicron, but they're not going to the hospital because of it. They're going to the hospital for something yeah. else, and all the positive tests are coming because and they're testing. And, they're testing yeah. and that's when that's that happened. It kind of was like, let's just keep things open. So if shows close, it's because they didn't have healthy people to run them. You know, So you did see shows go down for a week or shows go down for two weeks. Uh, and it was only because like, Oh, this, this guy got COVID and, but it wasn't like, Oh my God, this headliner has COVID. Will Prayers they yeah. live? You know, that kind of, thing. uh, it was just like, Oh, all right. It's, and it was just getting us all and, uh, and, and just creating havoc with uh, show coverage and things like that. And then having enough, you know, um, uh, people to operate their, their the actual you know lighting and sound and that kind of stuff and uh, it was just nuts 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 to get through January but there wasn't a sense that like oh gosh we're gonna die or oh my gosh well showbiz is gonna is gonna collapse again that was not the case it was just yeah uh, let's just get through yeah. this whatever that whole, it's, it's you a know thing. Delta you needed like you know whatever more than ten minutes of direct exposure and uh, Omicron was like oh you pulling down that mask take a sip I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yeah well that that's you know there's there's you know uh, i think uh brian brushwood are uh, said that it, you know there's the bartender index yeah whenever you're at a bar ask ask the bartender 
not even if they had COVID. When's the last time they had COVID? And you will find out that it is very recent because when you are just sitting and serving drinks, mask or no, yeah. uh, uh, people are coming in. Just, you you're, know, you're in a closed room they, for a long time. You're in a closed room where people are, are going to breathe on you and that's it. And Vegas is such a factory town for entertainment and hospitality. Yeah. Everyone is effectively a bartender. Like you are either a bartender or you are living with the effective equivalent of a bartender. Yeah, I mean, say my wife and I both work in show business, and you know, we are you know the quote unquote believers of science or whatever. You know, we wore mask every place that you've told to possibly there is, wear. There is a the mask. sign. You guys have the liberal household we sign, do. so uh, yeah, <laughs> check, you can check, check it out. Check. And I, I added gay pride flags to the sign myself on my front lawn. Just. There it is. It is festooned with two extra gay pride flags, just in case you look at that sign uh, uh, scans. Uh, by the way, I should say that, that <laughs> I don't know if this is good to stay in the pod, but uh, that was because not because we're so bright shining liberals, but because uh, people were moving in and out of Vegas left and right. And uh-huh. and so there's a lot of uh, homes for sale right around our house. So you just want to make sure you're just look, if you're if this deters you, exactly. probably for the best, probably for the best. It's rather you and you find out yeah, that we're not going to screech at you for for uh, having a, 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 a meat uh, thing in your trash. Uh, but uh, we will uh, uh, you know, if you're if you're triggered by it, maybe you should live. Next you're time. making, you know. However many hundreds of thousand dollars cash offer because you can't live in California anymore. And you know what kind of Californian you are when you're about to become my neighbor. (laughs) That is hilarious. That is so funny. Because it is a statement. It is a statement. Yeah, it's not subtle. Uh, uh, No, that's definitely staying in the podcast. uh, (laughs) The one thing uh, that I also wanted to talk to you about. So we went to go see Penn and Teller. And uh, you work with with them not only on Fool Us, but also sometimes on the show. And... uh, it was great show. They they are, are awesome as always. Different show as always. Everybody go see Penn and Teller whenever you're in Vegas. But there are also hallmarks of the fact that this is still a, a pandemic. The, the biggest to me was every other time that I've gone to see Penn and Teller, they have spent uh, uh, anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half signing literally any and everything yes. that anybody would, would, would bring to the show. That's gone. Uh, but in terms of the show itself, now anybody who comes up on stage, there's a little... And they make it a nice thing, and it's theatrically uh, uh, justified that there's this little desk yes. that that people will sit at during one of the uh, uh, tricks where they do bring somebody up on stage. There is a a plexiglass thing with a with a hole in the center of it, so so teller can can reach in and interact with the person. But otherwise, it it is mostly the same show. There are just these little hallmarks. Have you noticed that it, at shows? universally is that Penn and Teller being maybe a little bit more cautious than, uh, uh, than, than, than other folks Penn, or Penn and Teller generally, uh, were maybe not the last headliners, but one of the last to come back. Uh, they generally are on the side of uh, safety, I think more so than the average. And, and yeah, I mean, you might see if you see that and, and, and generally in shows, I think it's a, um, a, almost like it's just residual leftover because you just have things set in your shows. Yeah. And so until you officially change that thing up, like for example, I believe you'll see that go away in their show relatively soon because they're about to shoot a new season of fool us. 
which means they have to put in new closers for their shows, which means they have to put in their live shows to test them out. And that will involve having people at a different proximity than, than getting to the live show. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think Pentel did an amazing job of really thinking about what it meant to have someone on stage and how you want to interact with them. And so, yeah, I think, I think their stuff looked theatrically sound compared to, you know, um, you know, and, and so, for example, I went to Pit the Magic Dragon, all of that stuff that he had in his show is gone. Yeah. And because it was like comically so, uh, you know, in the first days that he was open, it was like we had like a grid on the stage and you had to put like uh, stuff uh, six feet apart. So it was like, I will put this on this table, spray it with sanitizer, back up six feet. <laughs> you can come from six feet to the table, take it from the table and then go to the other mark six feet away from Piff to begin the trick. And it was oh, arduous wow. and weird. And just tough. Uh, so that stuff's definitely all gone from his. Although you, and now that I say that, there is still this uh, cameraed area at the, at the foot of his stage that's about twelve feet away from Piff. Uh, so no, he still has stuff in the show uh, from that time. So yeah, I'd say if anything, at this point, it's more residual uh, than uh, still deliberate for safety. But uh, um, yeah, you'll still see elements of it for sure. I can only just imagine like like thunder down under where a dude's grinding in front of a bank teller window as a as a uh, a, a bachelorette party screams in front of yeah. it. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I won't say uh, which show because uh, yeah, people were going to a mail review show where all of a sudden uh-huh. you know people were like mask who cares and it turned out the cast was also like mask who cares and uh, we're basically finding the people who are comfortable and not for not doing it and then. We're doing all the crazy things they would do in interpersonal interactions, um, including like licking things, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> which is like so funny because that's kind of a pushing the line. I think before pandemic times. <laughs> <laughs> so that was yeah. That's that was I mean, I mean they're so pent up. I mean these boys, you know, they just need to run, right? They, they're just they're just stallions. You can't keep them penned up for too long. No, like no, they're gonna no. have to lick somebody. No. Uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> those are, those are real political alignments happening right in front of people's faces and, and you're not getting so the, funny. Uh, God, oh man, if you could just do the political, uh, affiliations of like both shows and audiences <laughs> and just be like, no, a, a, a deep, deep red is, is the all male review show and the bachelorette party from Fayetteville. Or Chippendales has like two entrances that just say Biden and Trump. And like, which one do you go? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who'd you vote for? Uh, Where is your risk level? (laughs) Just totally different shows waiting behind. (laughs) It's just the, just the blue voters just looking through glass at at the show. happening. You were looking, yeah, you were looking through three panes of glass as the dancers read a monologue about the representation of female sexuality in the history of media. And then in the, in, in, in the Trump voter zone, uh, it is effectively full penetration. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's just a weird thing. I mean, you know, even like I said, my wife and I work in entertainment. So like, even when we were talking about it, it's like, look, the bottom line is at some point we are going to, you know, and Vegas as a hospitality town is going to enter a risk factor sooner yeah. or, or in a more grand way than other places. And because it just simply, um, our livelihood all depends on it, you know? 
And I, well, and that's again, you know, the, the reason why I've always found these check-ins kind of so uh, uh, representative is that Vegas, again, like like you mentioned before, is the confluence between conscience, safety, and money. Yes, like all of them are always in play. Vegas is a small town; it is a big-hearted town for their entertainers. It also all runs on entertainment, so nobody can stop dancing for all that long because that's how the money comes in yeah and the money's big right you are dealing with gigantic machines that need to kept uh being fed and so it was remarkable when it locked down it's been remarkable to see how it how it comes back but then the other vector on top of it is that it's where the world comes to party yeah if it's happening anywhere in the world it's eventually somebody is getting COVID somewhere ar- around the globe. And they're like, <coughs> I'm not canceling my vacation. Though. And boom, exactly. They're on a British Airways flight and, and they are and they're listening to Tiesto in 12 hours. 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's even funny about like your like sense of uh, the sense of safety thing that is behind Vegas. It really is about welcoming all because even like the Sin City aspect, which, by the way, as you see, is totally dwindling uh, from advertisement and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Reputation. Even the sin was still like the sin of a, a person who doesn't normally think about sinning version of sin. Like it was never actually yeah. that crazy of a risque town, you know? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, it's 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 effectively as risque as a Maxim magazine. 100%, like yeah. that is like you won't see a tattoo on any woman advertised on a billboard, you know, or or weird piercing, yeah, or anything like that. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff, or or even you know portrayals of uh, homosexuality in any way, which is always a weird thing uh, to think about. But it's it's just, it's it's always kind of. Uh, uh, Advertising sin to the person to going like what sin to me? Uh, it's not really actually for for the craziest people to go hats off there, but uh, no, you know it's for normies to yeah feel like they're going yes. crazy. That's it, uh, which is which is the most profitable way to do it. Trust me, <laughs> if, if, if there were more totally nuts out freaks, that Vegas would would have a whole district dedicated <laughs> exactly, to it. Exactly, yeah. There'd be swinging family suites if 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 yeah, that's exactly. where the temperature of the country was, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, book book your polycule group parade, uh, uh on your way out for your next trip. Like they they would they would cater to the market if there were enough It's of them. absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you're right. They they nailed it for the maximum profitability for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Final question. What would it take to go back to lockdown in Vegas? Is there a scenario where you where, where we go all the way back to that first conversation? Shows are locked down. Casino floors are locked down. My, my favorite metaphor was our friend uh, uh, Mitzi describing going back to his office uh, at the time he worked at Caesars and uh, uh, being able to hear how loud the ding on the hotel elevators are, <laughs> which you never think about, but it is deafening because it normally has to register loud. over yeah, all yeah, the cacophony yeah. of, of, of the machines. Yeah. But it's just like, man, these things are loud as hell. <laughs> uh, uh, what would it, ha- what would it, what would it take to go back to hearing the dings on the elevators in the lobby? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Cause you know, the, the, the big thing was that like, um, even when Omicron really, rocketed up numbers here or we read our ICU beds did not, you know? Um, yeah. And so I, I think, you know, we, 
we initially said that's what it was about in the beginning. Uh, and then we kind of didn't hold on to that uh, aspect. Uh, as you mean infections or ICU bed? ICU bed occupancy was really like the big yeah. number that yeah. was the big scary thing to talk about and the big scary thing to talk about, you know, to look at um, as, as we experience each wave. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think we are due for some next wave that we're already told we're not prepared for that kind of a thing. Um, I can't imagine that being the thing that would make it happen. I think, you know, I would see mask policies coming back and forth or maybe some distance policies coming back and forth, but I can't imagine what would shut it down again, unless it was like a real, unless it was back in the, you know, before times where the ICU beds were just, yeah. You know, I mean, if, I think if, the, if, vaccine, if, the vaccine changes a lot, it does, it does, you know, because, because that's, it's, if, if you're, if you're into it, you're getting vaxxed. If you're not into it, then you aren't, but you're pricing in the risk. Like you under, you, you understand that being around a bunch of people is probably going to get you sick. And that is what it is. You know, Vegas being a town that caters to, to what you want to do will, will, uh, I mean, I don't think you, you guys, Vegas was never close to any kind of like uh, uh prove you're vaxxed policy. No, no, right. No, no. no, it was, it was, it was very much. Is, a, there, is there even, is there even a show or, or a, 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 an institution in Vegas that ever went to a, a vax mandatory policy? I can't even think of one. No. Yeah, I can't. No, no, no. I mean, honestly, like you, you brought up Penn and Teller. If Penn and Teller didn't do it. I don't think anybody did it. If anybody would have yeah. done it and, and successfully yeah. so there was, I, I, there's a time where I wished that would be the case. You know, I was, I was hoping one property would have experimented with it. Uh, I think the win actually had some pretty strong policies, uh, at one point. Um, but, uh, you know, just to see if it would have worked economically. <laughs> you know, if you, if, a, yeah. if a place really was that that strict and 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 wanted that business specifically, I thought it was interesting to see if that could have worked uh, when it was when things were crazier. If you were advertising yourself as we're the vaxxed hotel yeah. and our staff is yeah. vaxxed and you're vaxxed and everybody's vaxxed. Yeah, I was curious about that happening, but that never that never really went down. No, I mean, you know, I, I could see a scenario where, you know, if, if if frustrated doctors and nurses were quitting because just a total yeah. you know, piece or whatever, I, I could see a lockdown happening under that scenario. Um, but uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is like I, because because America right now doesn't feel like it could go back into it, you know. Talking to Vax or unvax. I, I think I think the only thing that would the only thing that would do it is another hundred years. <laughs> like, uh, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I think I think, yeah, we are we are to the point where, you know, uh, uh it is what it is, man. Like either you've priced in the fact that this is dangerous and you're willing to roll with it, or or you are vaccinated, and either way, like either you're coming to Vegas or you're not. Like if you're in Vegas, you are there to have a good time, and Vegas will give you the best time they can legally provide. To yeah, you. I think so. And 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 maybe according to the one male review show, one lick more. <laughs> the Tootsie Pop male review show. Um. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, Matt, uh, thank you so much uh, for for joining us, completing this uh, trilogy. You, of course, have the the Ice Cream Social podcast. You yeah. guys got a big convention coming up at the end of yeah. April. Our convention is coming back. It was big news. Ryan. Big news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, how many de- how many delays on this? This will be our uh, 
third attempt. We are finally third having, attempt because yeah. it was gonna happen. And then we, uh, uh, that wound up getting obviously punted. It was bumped for a year. Yeah. That wound up getting punted. Yes. And now, now uh, third time's the charm for Scoop Fest uh, twenty nine, no twenty twenty. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we're finally having it in twenty twenty two. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, again, and those are the things that make it real. Where when you were going to host a thing where people are going to fly from all over, you are going to be a vector spot. You know, you're hosting your own vector spot. Yeah. Uh, I feel good about it. I feel I feel fine about hosting uh, Scoop Fest. Uh, tickets still available. Oh yeah, for that? scoopfest.com. So go ahead, check it out. It's going to be at the Orleans. Uh, it'll be an absolute blast. Uh, I may or may not be in Vegas for a week, which may kill me, like uh, because there's another thing uh, of Frog Pants event earlier. It was going to be the same weekend, and it was going to be great. Oh yeah, because I'd be able to do both things in one. It would be a busy weekend, but I'd be able to do both things. Then they moved it to Tuesday. And so now it's like, if I do both, I have to, I mean, I was in Vegas for like four days and I feel like I'm not going to be right for two weeks. Like, I don't know. We'll have to figure it no, out. It's gonna be tough. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, uh, uh, for, for, for coming on. Yeah. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll have you back on for something fun that isn't uh, involving infectious disease. <laughs> All right. Fingers crossed. <laughs> And that wraps it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. We got a bonus story here for you. This is a couple years ago, so I don't know if everybody who's listening remembers this, but we covered something a while ago, uh, a podcast called Mistress for Congress. Mistress for Congress. If you didn't listen to it, the podcast was a mistress who did a podcast alleging that she was in a 10-year relationship with a sitting member of Congress. She eventually revealed that that man was Stephen Horsford, a rep from Nevada, something that Horsford went on to admit happened. Again, this is a 10-year relationship. Well, Horsford recently announced that he's running for re-election. And one person who is not happy with this decision is Horsford's wife. This is via the Twitter of Dr. Sonia Douglas, who, by the way, has three children with Horsford. I direct quote, I have remained silent for nearly two years, and I want to be clear that I am not enjoying the pain that my children and I continue to suffer since at Stephen Horsford told me the day after Mother's Day about his 10-year affair after, that's all caps, after, already speaking to his staff and attorneys. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I don't think you need to be a tremendous empath to, to read into just how mad this woman still is about everything. The fact that she is calling out the that he did not personally admit the affair to her until after he had secured his legal and political position is obviously still something that rankles her. We go to another tweet. And that he would choose to file for re-election and force us to endure yet another season of living through the sordid details of hashtag 
Horsford affair with hashtag mistress for Congress rather than granting us the time and space to heal as a family. Yipes. Stripes. Oh. I mean, that's a deep burn. Hey, if you'd like to thank Matt Donnelly for coming on the show, head on over to px3guest.com or find him on Twitter. Got an email saying, hey, you know, I sometimes listen to these a little bit late. And by the time I go to PX3 Guest, it's already a new guest. Well, you know, I, I try to make this easy for folks. So f- the vast majority of the people who listen to the show listen to it within 24 hours or 48 hours. So if that is not where you're where you're coming from, then you can always Google them. But but uh, 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 Matt Donnelly right now, go to PX3 guest dot com. Always thank them. We always appreciate it. It feels good. Even even the guests had been here on here a few times. It always it always reinforces, builds the brand of the show. If you guys enjoyed them, just say, hey, man, Dougie on the show. You can always hit us up with an email. The young American at Gmail dot com. The Twitter for this program is PX3 tweets. You can find me on Twitch. Be back live Wednesday and Friday at px3live.com. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy at px3podcast.com. And get our merch, politicsmerch.com. If you like a uh, one-time donation, you want to send it your old boy's way. Best way to do it is paypal.me slash payjury. For Venmo, it's justin-young-20, cash app, PX3 cash. And for anything physical, mail it to Justin Young, P.O. Box, 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. Again, Justin Young at P.O. Box, 153184, Austin, Texas, 78715. However, the only place that you can get our bonus content is at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcast schedule. $10 tier gets your name right at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier, including Andres, Unsafe DB Levels, Idris Arslandian, DJ Katie Mack, Meister, Dr. G, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Pete Spicery, 70s TV Salesman or Spy, D. Really, and vote for Gloria Young of the King of the New World Order. Zombie Doc, Edison, no mention on the podcast, please. Dotcom Junkie, DP4 Bongo, Jewish Lives Matter, 100 Mile Runner, Staff Sergeant Poopers, Berkeley Steven, Diana, Silent Slumbers, Katie, Adam, Double K Ranch, Yo Pinball Shop, John, the Opposable Thumbs for Dogs Foundation, Super Zoomy, Neil, Charles, Darren, Olin and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Matt, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Richard, D Laser, just another pilot, Middle Age Mike, the Gen, J Pink, and Andrew. If you'd like your name read alongside them, you can do so. Head on over. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Friday, we are going to talk about a foreign policy issue that I've been fascinated by. Brittany Griner is a professional basketball player. She came to fame during the uh, Women's March Madness Tournament 
a few years ago. Like many female basketball players, she has made more money in Russia than with her job in the WNBA. Unfortunately for Brittany Griner, she is an American citizen who is now being detained by the Russian government. What they say is for the possession of marijuana. But what's fascinating about this case is not only the fact that a fairly famous American athlete is currently being detained by the Russian government, but rather that her greatest supporters do not want this talked about all that much. They fear that if this becomes a large cause celebrité, that she will have a harder time getting home. Is that the right case? What is the best move here? And is there a certain point in which Americans, including American politicians, are going to want to start yelling, free Britney? That's next time. Until then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this is the only show that dares discuss all three. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.